Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. It was seven years ago this month that my book, When Tragedy Strikes, Rebuilding Your Life with Hope and Healing, was released with Morgan James Publishing. I am still very excited to announce that we finally have the audio version available. For today's episode, you will be listening to another one of the chapters from the book, which is chapter 11, The Pillars of Thoughts and Words. Last week, I shared the God story behind the book, When Tragedy Strikes. Today, before playing the audio for you, I just want to quickly share a God story about this audio version. In order to have a publisher put in the time and money for an audiobook, they need to have a minimum number of copies sold. And we were getting close, but since Perivers keep asking me about an audio version, I asked my publisher what it would take to have this made. And their response was to send me a legal document that released their rights to do this, allowing me to pursue it. So when I got that, we just happened to be near our friends Tony and Angelique, who have a recording studio in their home, which is where we recorded my CD the year before. So we called them up and they graciously made their studio available for me again to be able to use it to record the audiobook. And then Dave had all of the edits to do, which there are very specific requirements. So now that you have the God story behind the audiobook, here is chapter 11, The Pillars of Thoughts and Words. Chapter 11, The Pillars of Thoughts and Words. Your beliefs drive your thoughts. Your thoughts drive your emotions. Your emotions drive your actions. This is something I heard recently, and the more I think about it, the more I realize how true that statement is. Our actions are based on our emotions. The way we are acting or reacting to the death of our child is based on our emotions. Our emotions run very deep. There is so much pain. There is so much confusion. There is darkness and a feeling of hopelessness. That is normal and natural. But I believe with everything in me that this is not where we have to stay. My emotions are driven by my thoughts. I can think things like, I will never get past this, or I will always feel this way. I know some parents even have the thought, I don't want to get past this, which is usually because they equate the pain of grieving their child with remembering their child. They are afraid if they quit hurting so much, they will forget their child. This is a perfect example of how your beliefs drive your thoughts. If you believe that staying in your pain will keep the memory of your child alive, then you will continue in that emotional state of despair and not be able to live a life of peace, hope, and fullness that includes walking out your God-ordained destiny. Grounding Your Beliefs May I make a suggestion? 
How about if we back this train up? Let's go to the engine of this train that is driving us, our beliefs. Not a single one of us who is experiencing life again after the death of our child has forgotten our child in the least bit. It is very possible. In fact, it is even better to hold on to the memory of my child without the intense pain of those first few weeks, months, and even years. Do you even have a glimmer of hope that it is possible? If thousands of parents have walked this path ahead of you and picked up the shattered pieces of their lives, still missing their child, but also still a part of the lives of the people who are here, can you open yourself up to that possibility? I can visualize some of you with tears running, thinking about the turmoil this creates inside of you. A battle is going on inside your soul. You desperately want to believe this, and yet you desperately want to hold on to the only thing left of your child, your memory of them. Is it even right for you to go on with your life without them? Let me release you from that thought right now. Yes, it is okay. When my kids were younger, if they saw me sick or worried, maybe even crying, they would come up to me in their sweetness and innocence and try to make me feel better. They did not like to see their mommy hurt in any way. I know we would much rather it had been us who left this earth, but it wasn't. Do you want to honor your child by allowing your grief to cause your own death, not living, just existing in the shell of your body? Or would you rather honor your child by living a life they could point at and proudly say, that's my mom, that's my dad? I'm trying to get you to believe that maybe, just maybe, it is possible to get past this, to think others have and maybe I can too. I remember exactly when I grabbed hold of that belief. It was a turning point for me. I was standing in the cemetery, crying at Becca's grave. I stood there and looked around at all those other tombstones. I knew many of them were for children or young adults because I had spent many hours walking around reading the tombstones including the dates, and figuring out how old they were when they were buried. I thought about how every single one of those tombstones had a story of the people who were left behind, who had grieved and mourned. Every one of those tombstones represented someone's pain and loss. It suddenly hit me that all of these people, including those who had buried a child, somehow managed to get through it, and somehow I could too. That realization planted a tiny seed of hope that I didn't have to stay in this dark place, which gave me what I needed to slowly start working my way out of the black pit. Believing the truth is just as powerful as believing a lie. People do what they do based on their feelings, because of what they believe. Most people live mainly out of their feelings, 
and feelings do not always equal the truth. To put that a different way, just because I have feelings about something, no matter how strong, does not mean my feelings are necessarily based on the truth. To change your behavior, which is driven by your emotions, you must know and understand the truth. It is truth that will set you free. To experience victory in any area of your life, you must overcome limiting beliefs in that area. I don't remember exactly what it was, but many years ago I was asking God to change or fix something in my life. He asked me which prayer I wanted answered. I wasn't sure what he meant. He reminded me of my consistent prayer for him to do whatever he needed to get me where he wanted me to be. He then let me know that whatever this was I was praying against was something he wanted to use to get me where he wanted me to be. So at that point, I needed to make a decision. Did I want God to answer this immediate prayer and take me out of my misery? Or did I want him to answer the other prayer by allowing the situation to do a work in my life, getting me to where he wanted me to be? As I said, I don't remember what the situation was, but I do remember I took the fix-it prayer off the table and stayed with my prayer of do whatever you want to get me where you want me to be. Over the years, I've been faced with that same decision over and over again. This subject reminds me of something I recently wrote for my Kids Corner blog. What determines God's goodness? Is He good because He answers my prayer the way I want Him to? Is that what makes a person good? Because they give us what we want to make us happy? Or are they good because they know how to make right decisions for everyone involved? Are they good because they are not willing to compromise in the moment, but hold fast because they see and know the greater good further down the road? I find it very sad when people walk away from God because He didn't give them the answer they wanted to a prayer. God is not a vending machine where we put in the prayer, push a button, and the solution we want drops out for us. We have a two-year-old granddaughter. She is being taught to say please and is learning that just because she says please doesn't mean she automatically gets what she wants. When you ask someone for something, they have a choice to say yes or no. When we ask God for something, He has the choice to say yes or no. Did I want him to say yes and allow Becca to stay here on earth? Of course I did, with every fiber of my being. As a matter of fact, I believed he was actually going to heal her heart, either through a miracle or through a heart transplant. As I stated earlier, I was totally blindsided when she died, even though she was very sick. Once again, I was forced to face that bottom-line prayer I have prayed almost all my life of giving God permission to do whatever He wanted to do to get me where He wanted me to be. And this time, it cost me an extremely high price. 
Do I believe God killed my daughter to use it in some way in my life? Absolutely not. Do I believe that God allowed the natural consequences of a fallen and sinful world to take effect, not stopping it, even though many people were praying for her healing? Yes, I do. Do I still give him permission to do what he wants to do as God instead of what I want him to do because he can see so much more than I can see? Absolutely. I have chosen not to change my thoughts and beliefs on who God is just because I did not get a prayer answered the way I wanted him to, no matter how painful it may be. To get through this to be able to live again, we cannot lean on our own understanding. In all our ways, we have to acknowledge the truth that God is always good, whether we agree with His decisions or not. In order to change my feelings, I have to change my perspective. The Bible tells us Jonah was thrown into the sea by the ship's crew to stop a violent storm. Then the Lord sent a great fish to swallow the rebellious prophet, and we can read his prayer from inside that fish. I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Jonah 2, 4, NASB. Even in what looked like a totally hopeless situation, Jonah had hope. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you in your holy temple. Salvation is from the Lord. Jonah 2, 7 and 9, NASB. The Lord is always ready to offer us salvation, which is an ongoing, complete deliverance. Too often we sit back in our pain and grief and wait for some sort of miracle to happen in front of us when the miracle is already inside us. The miraculous isn't something we strive for. It is something we were created for. When Peter wanted to walk on water, Jesus didn't reprimand him for saying, If you are Jesus, he just said, Come. I wrote the following journal entries in faith of what I was declaring to be true six weeks after Becca's death, along with a response from my daddy God. Journal entry 11 29 11. Psalm 91 9. You have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Lord, I want that. Teach me how to make you my dwelling place. Psalm 71.3 Be to me a rock of habitation to which I may continually come. NASB I want you to be my rock of habitation. Journal entry 1130.11 I need a renewed mind. I need to change my thoughts the way I think. My mind is a key to be renewed, which will enable me to come into that place of rest. It has been so obvious to me the last few days that my thoughts are heavy, which makes my soul and countenance heavy. I need a breakthrough. It is in my thoughts. 
God, I give you permission to renew my mind or show me how to do it if I need to do it myself. Refresh my thoughts so that my soul and very being will be refreshed. Someone told me that knowing who I am as a daughter is enough, a matter of life or death for me. Is that true, God? Is it that critical for me? Yes, my daughter, for you have been beaten down since you were a child. Your spirit is very close to the breaking point of not ever being or doing enough and shutting yourself off from everyone, and that would eventually include me. I refuse to allow you to be a war casualty. When a soldier is wounded in battle, he comes to a place of rest and healing. You have been wounded over and over and have never allowed yourself to be in my hospital of rest and healing long enough for a full recovery. It is time. It is time before the effects of the wounds of the battles become more than you can overcome. End of entry. When God created us, He did an amazing thing. One of the ways He made us in His image is by allowing us to think our own thoughts. He does not control our thoughts, even though He could. He allows us to think He is the evil one. I remember times when my kids blamed me for something and were angry at me when I wasn't the one who caused the pain or my decision was based on something I could see that they could not. It's the same way with God. He allows us to have our own thoughts, even if we believe a lie about Him. That is how much He loves us. He doesn't force us to trust Him or love Him. He lets it come from our own choice and our own thoughts. The only powers great enough to keep me from living out my kingdom inheritance here on earth are lies and deception. We are secure in God and His blood covenant through Jesus. Even if we falter through life, He will never let go of our hand. That makes it sound like it's easy, but it still requires a deep level of trust based on believing that His love and wisdom will take us through the best way. Don't let the enemy take the greatest pain and darkness you have ever faced and turn it into a lie that God doesn't love you or that He has turned His back on you. The only way to get out of the enemy's sticky web is to still your soul, quiet your own thoughts, and ask God to give you His thoughts. You need to be transformed, totally changed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12:2. Allow God's thoughts to speak softly to you in the depths of your being to set you free from the turmoil. Sit quietly in His presence, letting His thoughts reprogram your thinking. What you focus on is what you will grow. So if you continue to focus on the pain and loss, it will grow until it is ready to consume you and overtake you. But if instead you think about, focus on, 
and give thanks for what or who you still have, that is what will begin to grow, and eventually it will bring you out of that deep, dark place. And you may not think so right now, but you can actually get to the place where you celebrate your child's life instead of being stuck in the pain of their death. I remember reading somewhere that the only way out of the anger is through gratitude. When we make the choice to flip the switch and find things to be thankful for, we will start to see a change happening in our lives and feel the pain of loss lighten. The Bible tells us that we are to take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ, 2 Corinthians 10.5. Our thoughts become our words. Words are powerful. We see that all through Scripture. For something to be released, we have to decree it. We have to declare it. We don't have to feel it, but somehow we have to push through to get ourselves to speak the truth of what God says. We can't just wish this pain wouldn't be so intense. We need to speak God into the circumstance, into our pain. I heard God speak to me about the way I was thinking well over a year after I lost Becca, as seen in the journal entry below. Journal entry 116.13 Let's go back to perspective. You have been stuck on how difficult your life has been. I want you to spend some time meditating on the good, on the blessings, on the wonderful and joyful things. Let's reprogram you and your thought process. End of entry. Reprogramming your thoughts. One of the thoughts that had to be reprogrammed was how I didn't want to be two years or five years or ten years further away from Becca. That thought could become overwhelming, causing such a panic that I almost couldn't breathe. I asked God to help me by giving me His thoughts. I found myself realizing the truth is actually something totally different from what was in my thoughts. Every day I live on this earth brings me closer to my own departure date and closer to Becca, not further away from her. Wow, that truth set me free. I still have moments when I have those thoughts, and they can still make me cry, but I am not overwhelmed by them, as I now believe a truth that is deeper than my pain. I am getting closer to her, not further away from her. Something else that helped me was to realize God isn't just out there somewhere. He is actually inside me. Because I have invited Jesus to be Lord of my life, the Spirit of God dwells in me. I don't have to wait for God to come to me from somewhere out there. I can quiet myself and listen to His still, small voice from inside of me, speaking peace, bringing comfort. Whatever I need, He is already inside of me to meet that need. The amazing thing is that He is also sitting on His throne at the exact same time, 
and I can come boldly to that throne of our gracious God to receive his mercy and to find his help, which I so desperately need. Hebrews 4.16 For over three years after Becca died, it really bothered me I could not find the notes I read at her funeral. Writing this book has caused me to dig in all kinds of places to find what I wanted to share, and I finally found that piece of paper. I can't tell you how surreal it was to finally have it in front of me. Here's what it said. The name Rebecca means faithful, and she has now heard the words, Well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. She knew it was time to hear those words, and she was ready. It is all a matter of perspective. Romans 8, 18-25 Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory He will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who His children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We, too, wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as His adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. NLT 2 Corinthians 4, 8-9 is actually the verse to a song she used to sing on the worship team at church, always singing it as a solo, her personal declaration in the midst of what she was dealing with. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed, perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not abandoned, struck down but not destroyed, NIV. The song goes on to say how we are blessed beyond the curse because His promises will endure, that His joy is going to be my strength. It talks about trading our sorrows, our sickness, and our pain for the joy of the Lord. The chapter goes on in verses 17 through 18 and on into the next chapter. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands, So we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life.
NIV. Becca is actually now more alive than we are. I believed every word of that when I spoke it. I believed every word of that in the blackness of depression, and I still believe it with every fiber of my being today. So that was the audio of chapter 11. I know we would rather have our children here with us. Well, I used to feel that way for many, many years, but I have to say that there are times now that I'm kind of glad that Becca isn't here dealing with so many of the, just I guess, crappy parts of life. I would have been so concerned about her during the COVID shutdowns because she would have been very high risk, but I didn't have to worry about her. She was safe. And just like I ended the chapter, she is more alive and more free than I am. And so is your child. It's okay, though, to rather have your son or daughter here with you. But let me encourage you to ask God for his perspective on some of the things that you struggle with. And also, Ask him to show you your child's perspective of things at this point. I personally, I just can't imagine them wanting to be here or to come back here instead of where they are now in perfection and glory that is so far beyond what we can comprehend here on earth in our finite minds. I know we feel like there's so much that they are missing out on. But I have a feeling they think that we're the ones missing out and they are looking forward to when they can greet us and when we can share all of glory and heaven together. Now, like last week, we are going to listen to the corresponding lesson from the Rebuilding Your Life guidance courses. I split up the thoughts and words into two separate lessons because the chapter was on our pillar of thoughts and words. And so what we're going to listen to right now is the lesson that is on the pillar of our thoughts, which is lesson number three in module three of the second course, Working Through the Darkness. We are moving from the porch to the pillars. Pillars can be decorative or they can be weight-bearing. And in this case, they are very much weight-bearing and can determine whether or not we continue to collapse under the weight of our grief. When our child dies, Everything goes dark. We can't think straight. We're numb, and it feels like we're in a nightmare, and we're trying to wake up. And as strange as it is, even in the numbness, though, we can feel anger and intense emotional pain. All of this swirling inside of us goes on for months, and then even into years, which we've talked about how that's normal for a parent who's lost a child. However, our thoughts can get stuck in this place of darkness, and we start to wonder if we're ever going to be able to get out. One of the things I discovered early in my grief journey was to ask God to help me shift my perspective. The way I saw everything was dark and painful, but I knew God saw things through different eyes, and I desperately needed to see what he saw. I'm going to share three things with you that God showed me, helping make that shift in how I saw things. And before I go into those, I want to pause and ask God to help you see these things with his eyes as well. So, Father, I just pray that as this student continues to listen, that you will open their eyes to see what you want them to see, open their ears to hear what you want them to hear, and open their heart to take in and receive what you want them to receive. Lord, give them eyes to see 
through your perspective that will lift the darkness and some of this heaviness from them. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, remember, this isn't coming from someone who's trying to fix you by giving you Christian cliches and pat answers. This is coming from someone who's been right where you are. So first is the shift in remembering that this life is not permanent. Thank you, God. This is only the blink of an eye, a dot on the line of eternity. Where we're going has none of this heartache and turmoil and separation. God made a way so that we do not have to be permanently separated from those we love. And that is pretty amazing when you stop and think about it. And please do stop and think about it. This is not a permanent separation. Do you remember my sharing about my friend Jan? I confided in her a year after Becca died that I felt guilty because I wanted to go to heaven to see Becca more than I did to see Jesus. And her answer to me, but Laura, you've made a deposit. And I love that. I'm going to be gut level honest with you here. And it's taken me eight years to get to the place that I am just as excited to see Jesus as I am to see Becca. And that may sound like I'm a terrible Christian, but I fully believe God understands, and he doesn't have a problem with it, unlike some Christians. And why do I say that? Because a while back, I was reading Matthew chapter 6, and this time when I read where Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also, which is verse 21, I realized that since one of my greatest treasures is in heaven, my heart's going to be there, and it's okay. Isn't it better that my heart is set toward heaven because my daughter is there than having my heart set here on the things of the world? Enough said. Mic drop, right? The next change in my perspective or how I thought is based on Philippians 1.21, to live as Christ and to die as gain. So I have to ask, if that's true, what did Becca gain? You and I have children hanging out in incredible glory and perfection, no sickness, no pain, physical or emotional, no hurtful rejections, no betrayals. I think you get the idea, and you could build on this list. When I take time to think about what my daughter has gained, I can actually start to feel happy for her, which does ease my pain some. Have you thought about how our children will be the first ones waiting to meet us when we arrive? I can actually get excited thinking about Becca showing me all around, knowing she just couldn't wait for me to get there and join her. And she loved to throw parties with lots of decorating. She would always go overboard. So I'm looking forward to what she's done with my place when I first arrive. What about the stories we're going to hear? Can you imagine someone like the Apostle Paul walking up to you and saying, I just have to tell you what your son did or your daughter did. It was so funny. Within 13 months... Dave and I lost three of our four parents. I watched my dad deteriorate rapidly for almost a month. The last two weeks were pretty bad, watching him on his deathbed, watching Dave lower the urn of his dad into a grave, and then a year later doing the same for his mom was awful. I've cried several times, saying how I don't want to put my own kids through any of that. And then I realized that Becca won't have to. It's like I took the burden of grief from her so that she'll never have to grieve my death. Instead, I'm grieving hers. That's, that's really something to think about, isn't it? Honestly, when I allow myself to spend time thinking about my deep loss, I can still cry to the point where I can hardly breathe. But when I think of her gain 
and let my mind start to imagine what it's like for her, it moves me in the direction of peace. Would I rather have Becca here with me? Absolutely. Especially when I think about how much I miss her and all the things she's not or will not be a part of as I continue to live here on earth without her. But since I've resigned myself to the fact that it just isn't going to happen, I've gotten to the point of enjoying picturing her in heaven, imagining the fun she's having and the people she's meeting and hanging out with, what her mansion might be like, and things like that. This last change of perspective I want to share with you is one that I talk about in the book, that God is always good. And good doesn't mean I always get what I want. Good means that he sees what we can't see, he knows what we don't know, and sometimes he allows natural consequences to take effect because of that. Johnny Erickson Tata, who has lived in a wheelchair paralyzed by the waist down since she was a teenager, says sometimes God allows what he hates to accomplish what he loves. In his goodness, God made a way for death not to have the final word. We will see our children again. This separation is not permanent. Plus, he not only walks with us through this, he will carry us when needed while offering everything we need as we travel through this deep, very dark valley. In other words, we need to see God as one who comes along beside us with deep sorrow and compassion, not as someone to blame who caused the death of our child. It's really helpful when we see God as the rescuer in our story, rather than the cause of our pain by something he did or didn't do, because he's here to rescue you in your pain. Asking God to make a shift in our perspective is so important. When I asked him to do that for me, one of the biggest shifts God made for me that I really needed was when I thought about getting further and further away from Becca. I could work myself into just a panic, like an anxiety panic attack, I, it was like I could, couldn't even hardly breathe when I thought about moving into the new year without her and then thinking about being three years or five years or 10 or 20 years here without her. It's like, I can't do that. I can't. It would just send me into this huge like panic attack. But one day God spoke to my heart and he told me that I wasn't getting further away from her. But each year and every day, I'm getting closer to her because I'm getting closer to my own departure. Wow. Now, I could appreciate that for sure. Every day I'm here, every year that goes by, I'm that much closer to seeing Becca and being with her again. Thank you, God, for your goodness in changing how I see it, my perspective, and for making, making it possible for me to see it in a different way that is true. The only way to get out of the enemy's sticky web is to still your soul, quiet your own thoughts, and ask God to give you his thoughts. We all need to be transformed, totally changed by the renewing of our minds. Allow God's thoughts to speak softly to you in the depths of your being, to set you free from the turmoil. Sit quietly in his presence, letting his thoughts reprogram your thinking. What you focus on in your thoughts is what is going to grow. So if you continue to focus on the pain and the loss, it's going to grow until it's ready to consume you and overtake you. So instead, think about and focus on what or who you still have. Focus on and imagine the incredibly good things that are yet to come. 
And as you do, that's what will begin to grow. And eventually, it will help bring you out of that deep, dark place. So what do you need to see differently? Maybe it's everything, and you don't even know where to start. And that's okay. God knows. Just ask him to help you start to see one thing differently through his eyes of eternity instead of through your fogginess and pain. And when that becomes clear in his light, ask him to show you something else. You may not think so right now, but if you do this, you'll actually get to the place where you can truly celebrate your child's life instead of being stuck in the pain of his or her death. This lesson seems so deeply personal to me that I don't want to ask you to share with us something specific over in Facebook. All I want you to do is write a statement from your heart asking God to help you with this. Something like, God, show me your perspective, or yes, I need to change how I think. Shortly after my dad died, I wrote a song called Together Forever, and I have put a link to it here on this page. And while you're there listening to it or after you listen to it, feel free to hit the subscribe button so you'll know when new videos come out. And if you like the song or any of the videos on the GPS Hope YouTube channel, be sure to share it with others who might be blessed with it. Next time, we will be talking about the pillar of our words and how it is very closely linked to our thoughts. Okay, well, I'm back. We all wanted something to happen to keep our child from leaving this earth, didn't we? It might have been a healing of some kind. It might have been someone showing up with Narcan in time if it was an overdose or maybe protection in or from a bad accident. We probably know of others who have the testimony that we wanted, that God did a miracle and spared our child from death. I want to remind you what a miracle is. And there's a reason something is called miraculous because it does not happen very often. That's part of why it's a miracle. We personally saw many miraculous things happen in Becca's life over the years. There were so many times she should not have lived, but she did. And that's why I felt so blindsided when she died. Even though she needed a heart transplant, there were literally so many things she should not have lived through that God seemed to have stepped in and intervened and spared her life. And just like you heard me say in the lesson, God is the rescuer in our story. He is the hero, not the villain. He made a way for us to be with our children again without any sickness, any sadness, or any more separation. This is not permanent. He is your rescuer to do the impossible job of bringing meaning and purpose and even joy into your life again. Now that would be a miracle, wouldn't it? And that is a pillar of something to think about. So if you did not hear the previous episode, I just want to share, or if you did hear it, I want to remind you that a few years after the When Tragedy Strikes book came out, to help bereavers be able to go deeper than the book was able to take them, I created three mini guidance courses based on the book. And that is what you just heard from one of the, the lessons there. The three courses are, How Do I Even Start to Rebuild My Life?, working through the darkness, and looking toward my future. Now, last week when you listened to the course lesson, 
I mentioned having a link to a song by Danny Gokey called I Will Not Say Goodbye, and I did not put the link in the show notes to that song because it was part of the course. I was I was referring to that, had a link to it in the course. This week in the course, I mentioned the song Together Forever, and so I do want to make sure I put that link in here this week. I do have a CD out, so you can find that song on your favorite listening app, or like I said in the in the lesson, you can find it on our GPS Hope YouTube channel. And I'll put a link in the show notes to that YouTube video, as well as a link to where you can find out more about the CD, which is called Together Forever, and hear a clip from each song. As far as the course, you can find out more about that by going to gpshope.org slash WTS course. And right now for the month of July, it is National Bereaved Parents Month. So for anyone who purchases the When Tragedy Strikes audiobook, we're going to give away a promotion code to be able to get all three courses for only $60, which is basically signing up for two courses and getting the third course for free. So to get that promo code, go to gpshope.org slash WTS promo, and you're going to need the invoice number or the purchase number of when you did get the audiobook to put in there. And I'll put both of those links in the show notes also. Let's go ahead to this week's birthday segment. Caleb Owens was born on July 9th and is forever 17. Stephanie Waters was born on July 10th and is forever 21. Charlie Rhodes was born on July 10th and is forever 9. Rachel Horn was born on July 10th and is forever 22. Eric Breslau was born on July 11th and is forever 25. Marina Fox was born on July 15th and is forever 26. We celebrate the day these children came into the world. We know it will always be a very special day for these families. If you would like to have your child's birthday announced the week of his or her birthday, I would love to be able to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. Fill out the needed information, including the pronunciation of your child's first or last name, if sometimes they get mispronounced, because I do want to say their name correctly for you. Just fill out that information, submit it, and we will announce his or her birthday that week. And Dave will also send you an email to remind you to listen for it. What you focus your thoughts on is what is going to grow in your life. Your thoughts do not have to be ones that keep sucking you under the suffocating darkness, keeping your life in a pile of rubble, like a house that has been totally destroyed. God wants to help you rebuild your life, and your thoughts and words can become pillars that can hold up the weight of your grief. Remember to take some time to quiet your thoughts. Ask God for His thoughts. Allow Him to renew your mind, bringing peace to your soul and hope to your shattered heart. And speaking of hope, H-O-P-E, hold on, pain eases. 
there is hope.